How's your your day been? I haven't been off of video since nine. <laughs> nice. You get a haircut? I did. Wow, it looks great. I had to go to a wedding in oh. um, Bainbridge Island last week, so had to clean up. Had to clean it up a bit. I started my day today um, calling Home Depots in L.A. L.A. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, because someone was buying welders, uh, a nail gun, and paper towels at multiple. Uh, uh, sorry, Lowe's, not Home Depot's Lowe's, um, with my PayPal account. Well, this like they were buying all of those things at like different like all three of those things at different locations or like they went to multiple different lows they bought them online for pickup today so luckily i uh was able to catch them um before they picked them up so what a fun little sting operation <laughs> i want a welder and um, I don't think my wife would have believed me if I was like, no, really, I didn't buy a welder. <laughs> uh, this one wasn't me. Yeah, this was not my welder. Well, that sounds like a fun little, like, this is now a true crime podcast. It sounds like fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I have 50 things to do today. Uh, so this is how we're going to start the day. Good. <laughs> it's productive. You have a very fitting topic today uh, because we wouldn't be here without today's topic. Who knows what we would be doing? These are days of mechanical and electronic marvel. The Massachusetts Institute of Technology has developed a new one for the Navy. It's a whirlwind electronic computer. With considerable trepidation, we undertake to interview this new machine. Now to MIT and the computer lab at Cambridge, Massachusetts. Hello, New York. Hello, New York. This is Cambridge. And this is the oscilloscope of the Whirlwind Electronic Computer. I assume that, like any delicate, finely tuned piece of mechanism, this uh, has a human element involved too, has it? July 3rd, 1969, UCLA issued a press release stating that it will become the first station in a nationwide computer network, which, for the first time, will link together computers of different makes and using different machine languages into one time-sharing system. It went on to say that creation of the network represents a major forward step in computer technology and may serve as the forerunner of a large computer network of large computer networks of the future. If only they knew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really uh, under promised, over delivered on that one. <laughs> they were right there. So it initially consisted of about 15 research institutes, mainly in California, but also Utah. This was the beginning of the internet as we knew it. In the 80s, research at CERN led to the development of the World Wide Web. The person most often credited with inventing the World Wide Web, as well as HTML, is a man by the name of Tim Berners-Lee. In the 1990s, the release of the Mosaic web browser spurred massive growth of the commercial internet. It spans the globe like a superhighway. It is called internet. The net to longtime users. Internet is a whole 
group of networks. The net is made up of some 12,000 individual computer networks. Internet began back in 1969. It was a tool of the Pentagon. But nowadays, just about anyone with a computer and a modem can join in, usually for a nominal fee. When Private internet service providers, ISPs, emerged, which gave the public access to the internet for a monthly fee. Unless you got one of those free AOL CDs in the mail. Did you? You had AOL, right? I don't know that we did. You're too young for AOL? Well, I don't know that I don't know that I'm I don't know that I'm too young for AOL. I just don't think that we had a computer in my home uh, right. <laughs> until like later. I think we were probably a little bit more of like a mid to late adopter. All right. <laughs> We definitely. I'm from Nebraska. What do you want from me? Okay, I mean, I'm from Wisconsin. It like farm town, Wisconsin. But it's such a bizarre concept to me to like think back to, like we had, like you got the just. I mean, the like that. First off, that marketing campaign is amazing. That they just like uh, direct mailed uh, like. What must have been hundreds of thousands of uh, CDs out, and you just like popped these CD- these CDs in your computer, and you're like, yeah, like whatever, like let's give it a shot. Now that can you imagine that being done now? This, yeah, the security behind that is terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> but then I remember getting this like massive book of the like pre Google of the best websites on the internet and like looking through this book like being a little kid this like terrible computer like looking through this book about like trying to find the best websites to go to like totally innocent um (laughs) very very (laughs) yeah uh it seems like i mean it was a long time ago i guess but i don't think that we had aol i don't think i ever had like a aol or like aim screen name I think that's how much like my family was such like a late adopter into the dot com boom. <laughs> well, speaking of the dot com boom, led to the launch of companies like Amazon, eBay, and Google in the two thousands. High speed broadband access and the ubiquity of Wi Fi and mobile devices led to mainstream adoption of the internet. Web two point technologies like social media, Facebook launched in two thousand four, video sharing, YouTube launched in two thousand five. Blogs and wikis reshaped how people used and interacted on the internet. Today, the internet has become inextricably linked to nearly every aspect of society. It serves as a platform for communication, e-commerce, education, news, and more to over 5 billion people. The current wave of innovation we're seeing in wireless networks, virtual and augmented reality, and AI will shape how we live and work with the internet in the coming decades. Overall, the internet has been one of the most transformative inventions in human history. This is your introduction to the internet. Where will we go from here? Excellent question. Yeah. I do think the progression is super interesting, even just sort of this breakdown as far as you can have really specific highlighted moments within almost decades of the internet launching to now it being almost like a day-to-day basis or something new. (laughs) (laughs) 
um, I think is really interesting. I think the communication aspect of like the internet has always been fascinating and probably, at least from my perspective, probably one of the biggest like growth components um, of being, I guess, so widely adopted was how easy it made things. But I mean, maybe that's the same now. I don't know. I'm going to have an existential crisis like, during this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the there's a, a real tipping point for me. I went to college and I graduated high school in 2005 and then went off to college. And one, I remember going to my orientation and people being like, are you on Facebook? And uh, being like, whoa, what is that? Um, and coming home and like setting up a profile. But then shortly after I went to school, my parents moved from the US to China. Mm, and super different. Yeah. And it, you know, it really wasn't that big of a deal because we could always just jump on a video call. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't like to me, I always told people that regardless of where they were, if they were still in the Midwest or because they were back in, in Detroit at the time, um, before that, that if they were there or if they were in China, they were always like a video call and some flights away. Yeah. Like it, you know, it was really the, it, it didn't matter. But if, if we weren't able to talk on a video call or easily talk, if it was through dial up, I don't, know what that would have been like i think life would have been drastically different and frankly i don't know if they would have done the same thing i think they would have probably stayed put yeah i think that's also gosh i just don't think i've ever thought about where it's like the capability to really really have communication anywhere that there is internet as far as being able to have a video conversation with someone halfway around the world even in the 90s when my dad was overseas it was phone call based for him and my mom like no video chat yeah that like i mean even even then i don't even know if it was like a concept necessarily of like one day this will exist in like our lifetime be able to just like live stream each other's faces (laughs) i don't know i mean that kind of gets back to what you're getting at earlier that decade you can look back at decades of Mm -hmm of change but you know now it it's hard to remember a time where you couldn't just use an iphone yeah to video chat someone to have everything you need just in your pocket versus having to go home and look it up or even before that not having that option and having to go to a library or just knowing someone that knew like I think it's really, really interesting, the progression and the rapid progression, I guess, now as, I don't know, we understand technology uses of internet a little bit more um, and conceptualize ways to use it in beneficial or more beneficial ways um, to help with communication or information sharing. So originally... The government funded the project so that we could communicate, or I guess the government could communicate, in the event of nuclear war breaking out. 
do you think researchers who originally worked on the project could have foreseen what inventing the internet would actually do? I mean, I don't think they thought like people dancing to like baby <laughs> shark on TikTok was going to happen, but do you think the the scale of the magnitude of change was something that they uh, they thought of? Yeah, I don't think that dancing videos were quite a part of it. I don't know. I feel like the communication aspect was obviously well considered as far as the number one reason to sort of fund the project. But I think even consistently, as you see sort of use cases for the internet, it has been information sharing and communication based. I don't think that anyone would be able to predict probably the scale um, versus it being, you know, a way for government agencies to communicate or even within sort of the university structure to be able to communicate, um, truly making it a worldwide web. (laughs) I wonder how much, I mean, because originally it was really just universities, right? And then I remember in school figuring out how to send messages to like your buddy's computer in between like while you were supposed to be playing like Oregon Trail or something. But I wonder how much they thought that it would be something that everyone would have in their own home. Yeah, like the personal computer aspect. Um, I think it's interesting. Like, did they loop Radio Shack into this conversation or not? (laughs) That's also something else really interesting to think about. Um, Sort of the waves of technology or internet. So like home computers and having stores and spaces really dedicated to that versus now just feels like a genius bar and like maybe a few Best Buys. (laughs) Everything is so mobile driven where... um, your phone or tablet serves as sort of your way to connect to everything. I don't know how much you think about this, but I feel like we're kind of at that that point in time or that that age now that like we can look back on younger generations and it's particularly poignant that like between Zoom meetings and social media the internet has, cha- has changed how we we interact, and I think like our generation, like you and I aren't aren't that different in age. The our generation growing up versus Gen Z growing up, uh, there's has a very different the di- like digital natives have a very different relationship um, with the internet than than even we do and and our, our parents generation do you do you think i mean gut feeling is that better or worse and what what do you think could help that i was just having a conversation with my mom about this actually she's fascinated by ai like she's like i'm so excited for the possibilities of it she's like i don't think that like anything crazy crazy is going to happen in my lifetime but I was like, who really knows one um but we were having a conversation around it. I feel like our sort of generation um, and older, we know what it's been like to not have the internet, I guess, to not have everything at our fingertips. And I think in some ways that's almost better. It, it simply is what is, right? And we 
all we can do is make the the, be- the best choices that we can make right now. Um, I was having a conversation with Tasia the other day, um, and like I've often had this this thought of uh, about like you know he's he said that he's gotten into the habit of on Friday nights going out to dinner and leaving his Bowie has something to say. Um, that's our cavalier, David Bowie. Uh, um, he, uh, has gotten into the habit of going out to work, uh, sorry, out to dinner on Friday nights and leaving his phone at home and not checking it until Saturday morning. Um, which I think is great. And I, uh, you know, I also have had the thought of like, I really enjoy meditating and gardening going surfing and all of these things that don't involve having access to the internet and it's struck me as are we have we kind of come full circle to the realization of like all right where we we figured out where this should fit into our lives or have i just gotten old and i'm not sure which one it is it's one i think it's it exists on a continuum i'm pretty sure it's somewhere in the middle i think it is a continuum that speaks to we've figured out a little bit of how to have a healthy relationship with the internet and a little bit of my slow descent into yelling at people to get off my lawn it's it's a little it's a little bit of both the the really interesting part about the different platforms to me and staying up to date on them is not necessarily the the technology itself but it's the different culture of each individual platform and the culture of the content that's on it and what works on it so from a specifically marketing perspective the content that works on say LinkedIn is something that is you know, much more polished and put together generally than something that works well on TikTok, which is much more organic and less produced. Uh, and that's, uh, that's what I think I, I fall behind on. Um, partially because I am just not like cool enough to like keep up on like TikTok trends, you know, like that's not like in my wheelhouse. I'll, I'll admit the fascinating thing about video, the, the short form video content to me is that it's so, I guess it, it, it's approachable uh, in that it's, there's so much more nuance that can be shared and there's not the same barrier to entry as, as written word. is. Uh, so I think it opens up so much more culture, um, that used to be gate captain some ways, um, which is really amazing. So I, I do, obviously there are, there, there are con- security concerns and, and, that whole other side to it but i think it's a a really fascinating thing despite my lack of uh being able to create cool content myself but i'm working on it so yeah 
<laughs> well, this has been fun. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast powered by Gun.io. We drop two episodes per week, so if you like this episode, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice and come hang out with us again next week and bring all your internet friends. If you have questions or recommendations, just shoot us a Twitter DM at the Frontier Pod, and we'll see you next week. What should I do? Restart the browser, free some hard disk space, and avoid incognito mode. Um, all right, so I think we were just, um, I'm, holy hell, I'm looking at the wrong thing. Cool. Looking at a job posting. Good stuff. Great. I was like, what is this? Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast, produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.